listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the episode of ACB Advocacy Update. I am your host today, Swatha Nanda Kumar, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. And as always, thank you to everyone listening on ACB Media and via your favorite podcast player. Um, you can reach us by um, going to acb.org or call like our phone at 202-467-5081. So today's um, podcast is going to be on the transportation research research board annual meeting, which um, I attended with their guests. Uh, our guests today are Chris Bell, who's a member of our board of directors and Sarah Malayer from the American Foundation Foundation for the Blind. Hello guys, how are you? Great, Swatha. Great, glad to be here, Swatha. Definitely. Um, so Chris, can you tell us a little back, a background um, like your role at, on the Transportation Committee and the Environmental Access Committee? And why sure. um, I'm on the Pedestrian Environmental Access Committee, uh, which, as the name implies, concerns uh, pedestrian safety for people who are blind and visually impaired. And one of our principal interests is getting accessible pedestrian signals installed wherever there are inaccessible, that is to say, visual-only pedestrian signals. And I've been working on that for probably 15 years. Uh, so that's a, that's a big issue. The Transportation Committee um, works on uh, transit and, in particular, paratransit, because so many of our members use paratransit. And we are interested in expanding and creating a more flexible paratransit system that is more demand responsive and more equitable than what we have today. Mm. Now, Chris, can you um, sort of tell us, uh, listeners might not know what APS is, what that does or what it means? Yes. So an accessible pedestrian signal provides uh, first, a locator tone that allows a person uh, who is blind or visually impaired uh, to be able to find that, well, first of all, that there is an accessible signal and to be able to reach it, find it by following the locator tone. Secondly, it has a physical button, and on that button, is what is called a vibrotactile arrow that points in the direction of the crossing. So when you press the button as a blind or visually impaired person or as a deafblind person, um, when it, the walk sign is on, then the button vibrates and you hear a ticking sound. And, and that's the signal that uh, it is time to cross the street. Of course, you still have to use your orientational ability skills to make sure that 
you're not going to step into the front of some driver that's not paying attention. Um, but as long as that ticking sound is on uh, or the vibrotactile arrow is vibrating, which helps uh, deaf blind people know when the walk sign is lit, uh, one can cross the street. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a way to make traffic signals, pedestrian signals in particular, more inclusive. Great. Thanks, Craig, for that. Um, Sarah, on to you now. Um, can you tell us about your background and the many, the many hats you wear in this space? Sure. So I'm Sarah Miller, and I'm the Senior Advisor for Public Policy and Research um, at the American Foundation for the Blind, AFB. Um, and as part of that role, I also represent AFB um, for the uh, Consortium for Constituents with Disabilities Transportation Task Force and serve as a co-chair alongside Swatham. And um, so my background in the, the transportation field is, you know, as AFB made um, kind of a, a transition in its strategic um plan a few years ago um, to focus on, uh, you know, kind of the societal impacts around education and employment and aging, we really noticed that across all of those three areas, you you really saw technology and transportation as being some of those just cross-cutting factors that, that Im- impact every part of life. Um, so, so we've kind of focus on those two areas in our public policy priorities, um, as well as in our research. Um, So at at AFB, we've conducted um, research on the experiences of older adults um, with transportation, um, some of their needs and and current um, day-to-day experiences. Uh, Some of our staff members wrote a a white paper on on kind of the state of the the transportation experience. and um, we've also been involved in uh, the development of the Disability Access to Transportation Act um, and uh, advocating for some of the disability-focused parts of the um, bipartisan infrastructure law. Um, so focusing on the modes that help people get to work and education in, in day-to-day life. Um, and, you know, we work on all the modes, in the ground modes that you find in your community, um, although we don't work too much on airlines or um, trains. Great, thanks for that. Um, so going along with that and our and our roles as in transit transportation policy broadly, um, Sarah, Chris, and I got to attend the Transportation Research Board annual meeting, which is um, TRB, as we call it in short. Um, that is an offshoot of the National science foundation um at least it's called um so sarah could you kind of give a high high level overview of what what trb actually is and what um the annual meeting happened there yeah the transportation research board or trb is um uh like you said part of this you know big federally funded um, National Academies, uh, and it organizes research and information exchange on transportation improvements. Um, it covers every aspect of transportation, and I am not kidding here. You know, it, it, it touches on, you know, what all of us are familiar with, the, the pedestrian issues, the um, transit de- design and planning, but it also, there is research on construction materials, pavement, 
um, I saw that they even have like a geology section and they'll, they're focusing on rock falls. So, um, like you've, you've got really a little bit of everything in the transportation space is, um, captured in TRB. Um, and TRB is organized by committees. Um, all of the committees are run by volunteers. Um, these committees help recommend papers for the conference, um, the annual meeting that we attended, um, and for publication in the TRB journals. Um, they also plan special workshops. They run other conferences throughout the year, like um, Transit, which is um, a conference that focused on demand responsive transportation and older adults. Um, last year, um, AFB got the opportunity to present some of our COVID-19 research at that virtual conference last year. Um, and to give you an example of some of the committees that they have, there's an accessible transportation and mobility committee. Um, one of the committees has a paratransit subcommittee. There's a pedestrian committee, bicycle committee, you know, really across the, the spectrum. Um, and so the annual meeting, which is what we went to, is an enormous gathering of all of the parts of TRB. I think there were well over 10,000 participants. Um, and at TRB, um, there were you know, different types of sessions. Um, they had meetings of these committees that organized TRB um, to talk about kind of their research agendas for the year, what they have done in the past year and what they're going to do in the next. Um, then there were um, lots of research presentations where um, researchers um, from around the country and the world um, presented their more academic um, transportation research. Um, but then there were also panels of um, transportation providers and policymakers, advocates like us, um, and really kind of all of the groups that are, are there. Um, and, you know, I want to give our listeners a sense of the, the importance of the event. I mean, it was really exciting that this year um, the keynote um, presentation or the keynote speeches were given by um, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, and the chair of the National Transportation Safety Board, um, Jennifer Hammondy. Um, so it's really a, a massive convening um, of really all of the levels of people involved in tra delivering transportation, um, and but but focused on the research that's coming out um, to inform knowledge and practice. Now, Chris, why did you, why were you um, attending this conference, and what is going to be up for us to be there, race to be with you there? We're at a watershed moment in the area of transportation as it relates to people with disabilities in general and blind and visually impaired people in particular. Um, we have had the enactment of the bipartisan infrastructure law, which has provided $1.3 billion uh, or billion or trillion, I can't remember, $1.3 billion in transportation funding for the next uh, five years, which is a lot more money than has been available. And that money is being sent down to states and counties and cities and planning organizations like metropolitan planning organizations and is funding uh, infrastructure changes. So that's one piece, which is money. Another piece is that uh, hopefully, by this spring, the United States Access Board will issue 
a final guideline referred to as the Public Rights of Way Accessibility Guideline. And that deals with basically um, the infrastructure that is outside of facilities that people use uh, sidewalks, uh, traffic signals, and the like. Um, and hopefully may address uh, accessible pedestrian signals in a way it hasn't addressed it in the past. And finally, um, the Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices, which is issued by the Department of Transportation, controls or mandates what traffic signals and other uh, orientation for vehicles and pedestrians and signage, uh, what those things must be like, what their specifications are, uh, and when they can be used. And this is a document that has never yet required accessible pedestrian signals. So we have, we have money and we have these two policy documents that are imminent. And that has great significance for our community. Um, and secondly, uh, I think it's very important that blind and visually impaired people show up for conferences such as the Transportation Research Board uh, when the ADA was being crafted, there was that uh, notion that nothing uh, about us without us. And that means we have to be there and we have to participate and we have to raise our voices and we have to remind transportation engineers and academics that we have specific needs that are safety driven, uh, that, that allow us to be full inclusive members of society that they have to take into account. And if we're not there, then our voices are not heard. Now we do benefit from uh, certified orientation mobility specialists, uh, uh, COMS and people like BZ Benson that have been going to these things for 30 years and raising their voices about the needs of blind and visually impaired people. But blind and visually impaired people also have to be there uh, to make it uh, plain to others that we exist and we are valuable human beings and we're entitled to safe and effective and equitable transportation. Great, thanks, Chris. Um, so this is your first time here, there, right? So, yes, it was. Yep, and mine as well. This was pretty. This was a pretty good conference. Um, Sarah, same to you. Why um, were you there, or why do you think it's important for AFB or CCD to be there as well? Why? Well, I, I think I, I, just like. Chris said, it, I mean, it's really important to be there for that representation piece, um, because I think that this is a space where um, you have a lot of people who don't have connections to the disability community, um, who are making a lot of decisions about um, transportation. And without that voice, um, it, it, decisions will get made that that are exclusionary for um, lots of blind people and um, other people with disabilities. Um, so I think it comes down to connections, um, knowledge and, and representation. Um, I, like Chris said, it's, it's asking questions about the issues that matter to the blind and disabled community, um, reminding the planners and, and companies and agencies that are in attendance that blind people need to be part of the planning process. Um, asking people to think harder about accessible design and infrastructure um, and service delivery that, that is inclusive. 
Um, and it's also a great opportunity to meet people who are doing the research um, and the people in the agencies who are applying the research. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, the Bureau of Transportation Services is um, doing this kind of pilot project to see if they can develop a data scheme for pedestrian data. Um, so I think it was a really important opportunity or it was a really exciting opportunity to be there, to be able to ask how they're com contemplating the inclusion of accessibility data alongside, you know, not just like where is a sidewalk located, but is that sidewalk accessible? Does it meet standards? Um, is it, you know, passable and usable? Is it in good condition? Um, and, you know, I, I don't think those questions would be asked if you didn't actually have people in the room who have disabilities or who have knowledge of, of the experience of disability. Um, um, you know, to be able to shape shape the questions and shape the frameworks, um, shape the research. Um, and then, you know, in terms of meeting people, it's, it, like I said, it's a huge conference. Um, so it's a great opportunity to meet people, to meet people outside of the DC bubble, um, you know, and, and there's lots of knowledge in one place um, to learn. You know, I, I learn a lot um, as well as getting to talk to other people, meet people um, and um, get to, to, get a glimpse into the really diverse mix of transportation issues um, that are being discussed up there. Yeah, absolutely. When I was there, when I started like on Sunday, the um, I met up with a couple of um, folks in the, in the blind and or on them field. Um, and they said that they said like they needed someone there to come and say blind or say um, disabled. So I really, it's really important. I think it's really important for us to be there just to say that, just to be just to remind folks about, about that they need to um, consider us. Yeah, nothing about, about us. So, Chris, as a first timer, uh, how did you, how'd you ex experience at TRB? How did that go for you? Well, it was a little overwhelming for me. <laughs> um, uh, there are, there were so many events and committee meetings and workshops and uh you know on multiple floors um and i didn't even go to the um, district of columbia convention center which is where a lot of it was held because i knew that was <laughs> that was going to be beyond my ability to to navigate uh so uh but you know, as Sarah said, it was it was good to try to meet people. And there's one other aspect of it too, which is I think that at least some of us in the blind and low vision community need to educate ourselves about some of these issues. And the possibility to do that includes becoming a friend of, uh, that's what they call it, a friend of a committee. So you can start participating uh, directly or indirectly in committee events and reviewing uh, research proposals and the like. And over time, uh, I hope more of us will do this and we will be educating ourselves about these transportation issues um, because, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, remember blind and visually impaired folks or folks with disabilities, but we also have to understand better um, how the system works and what research is important. Uh, and what research is being done and how we can influence that uh, and influence the policy that flows from research. And that requires us to be more knowledgeable substantively about these issues. 
Yeah, absolutely. One thing I kind of discovered as therapy, you said it's a lot too, and I agree. But it was also a great opportunity to learn to learn about policy and learn about um on the space. So I really that's a great experience as well. Um, Sarah, since you you've been there for a while, I think, right? For a couple of years now. Yeah, I think this is my third TRB, second in person. Um, and I have to agree with Chris, it can be an overwhelming experience. Um, just so much going on and, and a huge agenda. But um, you know, I think having been there a few times, I did have a little bit better sense of how um to pick the sessions. You know, I attended a number of the research sessions, um, but was also a little bit more selective this time than than the first time. Um, and I focused on on attending the kinds of sessions where I thought that I could make some sort of connection with people working um and making a difference on the issues that that AFB uh cares most about. Um, you know, I I think one of the benefits of attending the the conferences is the ability to kind of get in on some of the off the books conversations um, and and to meet with people and and talk about um, projects that they're planning um, kind of on the side. Um, and, you know, I, I will say, you know, I've been there before, but I still learn something new every time. Um, and as an example, I, I, I attended a really great workshop on um, the work that public health departments are doing to promote pedestrian um, safety and infrastructure um, as part of their, you know, healthy communities, safety and equity work. Um, and, you know, I I think there's probably there, there's probably a lot more that could be done in this space, but it was um, kind of eye-opening for me to hear about the opportunities for public health departments to collaborate with departments of transportation, um, you know, on developing safe systems approaches to um, road design, um, learning about how they're using data to kind of uh, link and under, or to build a better understanding of, um, you know, safety on the roads, because there's all these disparate um, data sources out there. Um, and somewhere in the medical field, like the, the hospital data that you have um, about uh, like a, a victim of a crash, um, but also the the police data that you have um, from on the scene and being able to build those linkages between to better understand what's going on, what the causes are and, and how to fix um, some of our most dangerous streets. Um, but also learning about, you know, what what's states are, are, are doing um, in other ways, you know, the Virginia Paths program, which is prioritizing active transportation for health and safety, I think, um, is, you know, a collaboration between their Department of Public Health and their Department of Transportation. They were focusing on interagency information sharing. They were, um, I think, part of that program is, is getting public health departments participating in road safety assessments um, because they can kind of bring in community leaders and help people understand or help the transportation planners understand like where are people actually walking? How are they using the roads? You know, how do the the roads that are being designed like impact people's lives? Um, so I thought that there were some really interesting um, findings from that. So um, I guess all of that to say, you know, e even as a veteran, it can be uh, a really interesting and fascinating um with with lots to learn um and lots of connections to make yeah absolutely um i also attended a session on um kind of the equity and like intersectionality of disability income and race and i thought 
that would be interesting. Like how you can test your dog tiles under super informed research and informed policy. So, um, Chris, was it? Do you think it's worth worth your worth your while to attend and to attend the conference? I'm sorry. Can you say that again? Do you think it's do you think it was worth worth your while to attend the conference or to? Uh... Yes, it was. And and in addition, not that this is the subject of a podcast, but I also attended a meeting that followed immediately uh, the TRB, and that was the meeting of the National Committee on Uniform Traffic Control Devices. And this is a private organization. It's comprised uh, primarily of traffic engineers. Uh, from state and local government and from Federal Highway. And this committee makes recommendations to the Federal Highway Administration about changes to the manual and uniform traffic control devices. So this is another area where uh, I think it's very important for blind and low vision people to participate and make sure that our uh, needs are being addressed. Um, And so I I found that uh, those committees very important as well. Great. Um, so, Sarah, same to you. Do you get either with your while to attend? Would you attend in the future? Yeah, I definitely. Um, I I think so. I mean, it it's definitely an expensive um, conference, and um, but at, at the same time, it. It, it just connects so many different facets of the transportation space and that opportunity for like meeting people and um, learning and advocating all together, I think is a unique opportunity. So yes, I think it's worth attending. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned um, kind of um, cost and registration. Um, we, Sarah and I were both able to attend as young professionals Young professionals, that was a category in registration. Um, so Sarah, why do you think that's imp- important for young folks to get involved in TRB and in this research projects? Well, I, I think it's connections and knowledge. There's a lot of people, there are a lot of people who attend TRB who are established in their their fields, but also a lot of new folks, um, the young young professionals who are still figuring out where their careers are going to lead. And, you know, so I think it's really great to be able to learn from other people, but also to share about disability um, with other young professionals um, as they're charting their own research uh, focus and and maybe um, kind of planting the seeds early um, that that disability is a factor to be considered, Um, you know, and I think also that young people bring a lot of different perspectives on transportation modes, um, you know, experiences and desires. Uh, a lot of a lot of the conversations that are happening at TRB are about creating the knowledge to plan projects for the future. Um, and so as we're, you know, creating the knowledge that will go into these projects that are built, you know, two years, five years, 10 years down the road, I think it makes sense to include now the people who are going to be using them um, for a really long time um, to be able to get their perspectives um, and and thought. Um, and then, you know, like I said, TRB is is really expensive, and um, 
I, I appreciate that they have the young professionals category and the, the discount because it's, um, I, I think it helps justify my attendance, but it, uh, um, more importantly, I, I do think it, it's important that you have a really diverse group in attendance and that, in, that includes age as well. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the reasons for how I got my ACV to fund my ticket that sent me through my boss. But um, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, do you think, so this year, um, I attended a couple of poster sessions, which are sessions where you talk to students and re- grad students on research projects. And I was excited to see a lot of like, kind of project focused on disability like how people use transit or um focused on like APS and, cur- and curb cuts and curb designs street designs. um do you do you think or do you see like have you seen like a kind of uptake in interest in just in this year you think is, is what you, accessibility and transit well I'm not sure I've been around long enough to, to really make that assessment. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think it's growing and I think there is greater awareness out there. Um, um, and I, I do think it's great that there are a lot of um, uh, doctoral students who are out there focusing work on um, different aspects of the accessible, accessible transportation experience. Um, I'd like to see, I'd personally like to see more um, doctoral students with disabilities out there presenting their research about transportation. I think that would be great. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's changing slowly um, in in part due to uh, everyone who's showing up. Yeah, it's very, it's very exciting. Um, kind of moving on from that to, um, Chris, what do you think that TRB could do better or what do you think like our pain points for you and their, their conference? Well, I think there are uh, inevitably some accessibility issues for the conference itself. Um, uh, not all of the uh, conference materials were fully accessible. Um, and I think that they could do uh, more uh, to with signage and whatnot. Um, I think they're trying. I, I think their their intention is good, um, but I think you know, like every every place else in the world, um, there are areas for improvement. And uh, I think the more of us folks with disabilities and the more of us who are blind or visually impaired go, the the bigger impact we'll have on the accessibility of the conference itself. Yeah, but to look at that, there were, there were quite a few gaps, quite a few, like, well, look over here, kind of at the slideshow, which you can see. So, um, Sarah, do you have any, Sarah, do you um, have any, like, things to add here? Or do you have any pain points or things be improved? Um, well, I, you know, I've I've alluded to that, this already, but I, I think Terabi, as an organization, could do a, a better job of incorporating people with disabilities into the research and that it conducts at all stages from representation on committees to project panels, contractors, research survey participants, speakers. Um, 
you know, there was a presentation on airline accessibility, a panel presentation on um, the disability mobility initiatives work, um, but not a whole lot of other people with visible disabilities or or really coming from the perspective of the disability community. And I think that's a a real missed opportunity in a conference that's 10,000 people. So you've got a lot of research being produced about transportation without a whole lot of involvement from the people who use it or need it most. Um, and and I, I have a feeling that that's not just list, limited to disability. I think that's other, um, you know, kind of marginalized groups or groups that just haven't traditionally been um, involved in the transportation workforce. Yeah. And with a registration fee of $1,000 for a conference, that's pretty uh, exclusionary, just by basis of the amount of money it costs to attend. And that's something that I would hope they would address uh, through scholarships and perhaps some other categories of reduced registration uh, fees to get more people uh, there with more varied backgrounds. Absolutely. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, so so I kind of mentioned, you kind of alluded to, Kristen Sierra kind of alluded to, alluded to this. Um, in their or in their um answered already, but um, how can folks with with disabilities or blindness um, how can they get involved in TRB or kind of inform research projects like like this? Um, Chris, do you want to begin? Sure. Um, well, uh, one thing that one can do, which is free, is to go to mytrb.org, that'd be M-Y-T-R-B, no spaces, .org, and sign up. And it's free, and it gives you access to committees, to research, to publications, um, uh, and it allows you to, you know, become a quote-unquote friend of a committee uh, and to begin to participate. There's also a, uh, uh, now I'm blanking on the name, uh, it's, the, it's part of the National Academy of Sciences publication, and it's, and it's similar to MyTRB, but you can sign up for this as well and, and get other research documents. And you can access these documents for free. So even if a, you're looking at a book that's been published, it, it, it is made accessible that you can download and read. So um, I think that those are two things that people can do. The other thing I would say is uh, there will be another TRB session and another session of the National Committee on Uniform Traffic Control Devices at the end of June. Um, There again, our bookends, the TRB is first and the NCUTCD is second. And then at the end of June in Spokane, Washington, and uh, folks that are hearing this podcast that are out on the West Coast, I hope they'll consider uh, attending. Uh, you can go at TRB, you can go to the committees without paying this registration fee. Um, at NCUTCD, you, you do have a registration fee, but it's much more reasonable. It's about $130. Yeah, I think that's great. Please start. Um, sure, do you want to add anything here? Yeah, um, so I'm definitely going to echo the the participation as a friend of, of the committees um, and and the attending that that for free and their mid-year meetings typically are on Zoom. So that's um, much easier to attend. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that, you know, if there are members out there who have um, professional experience in, in transportation, um, I really encourage applying for some of the project panels 
Um, so the cooperative research programs um, is where TRB funds research. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of times we think about, like, you know, you can get people involved on in either participating in research or conducting research, but but TRB also has a system where they, they stand up project panels um, through kind of a self-nomination process. And uh, these panels provide shape to research requests for proposals um, and uh, give input on selecting the contractor. They provide feedback on the research plan and the progress um, of the, the research project. Um, and I'm currently serving on, on a panel called Transportation Services for People with Disabilities and Older Adults During a Pandemic and Other Emergencies, Lessons Learned from the COVID-19 Pandemic which is a bit of a mouthful, um, but I think it's been a really great experience to kind of understand how the um, research gets shaped um, and also to provide feedback um, kind of at every stage of, of overseeing this, this project. Um, you know, I don't, I don't get to, you know, influence the like day-to-day -day action of the research, but I am influencing kind of what the, the request for proposal is and, and how we're, you know, setting the metrics for um, a contractor. And I think, having more people with lived experience on these panels probably would be a really, um, uh, really helpful thing for TRB as a whole. Yep, I'm glad you're on the panel. I'm glad we can, I'm glad we can um, hear more about this research. Um, so Sarah, how can folks learn more about AFB or more about um, initiative research, research, research that you do, you all do there? Well, we are on um, social media and um, we have a, actually we have a former ACB uh, uh, staff member who is now working for AFB and is is working to build up our social media presence again. I think we are most active on LinkedIn and Twitter, um, but we also have a Facebook account. And then of course um, we are at www.afb.org. Um, and there's a place at the bottom of our homepage where you can sign up for our newsletter, which um, we'll be revamping over the next few months. Great. Um, Chris, how can folks keep up with ACB's transportation um, kind of work and how can they keep up with our committees? Sure. Um, at acb.org, you can search for uh, the Pedestrian Environment Access Committee, PEAC as well as the transportation committee and find out who the members are uh, and uh, we have some uh, things uh, posted on our committee pages we have the pedestrian safety handbook which has uh, been revised uh, and also there's a lot of material on accessible pedestrian signals and how you advocate for them and some of the litigation that acb has done in that area great well, Sarah Malayer and Chris Bell, thank you both for being on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it, Swazel. Yeah, it's great to join you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Um, as always, folks, you can learn more about UCB and our committees by going to ac.org. Um, we will have the MyTRB and um the AFB websites and social socials um, linked and in our show notes in our show notes. Um, and you can always um, if you have an advocacy 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 issue that you want to talk to um, 
Clark and I, Clark, Clark and I about, um, you can email us at advocacy at acb.org. And as always, folks, keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org. Thank you.